Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. This week, Lindsay's a gamer. <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> We're rebooting a game I played when I was like, seven? Um, Lego Rock Raiders, has anybody heard of that? I'm I'm pretty certain some people have actually. In fact, this very day, um, former guest of my other podcast, Riley Hopkins, was on Twitter, and they were about to be playing the PC version of the game. Yeah. So yes, I guarantee there are people out there that are like, "Oh, it's Rock Raiders," but I know nothing. This was not my Lego. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> um. All right. So Crash Course in Lego Rock Raiders. So um. It came out in 1999 as a Lego theme based around mining on an alien planet for power crystals, which uh, supported 15 sets featuring mining vehicles, other craft, uh, minifig packs, and a large uh, base set. And it managed to get this video game. Uh, There's a version for the PC and a version for the PlayStation and the PC version is probably the better remembered one. Yeah, because it's a real-time strategy, apparently. Yeah. For kids! Yeah, Lego made Warcraft for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a PlayStation version that was more um, more of an action explorer. Like, you're collecting stuff in both versions. It's just, like, there's a bit more focus on the exploration part in the PlayStation version and a bit more real-time strategy stuff with the PC version. Anyway, right. I liked it as a kid. I can never remember how far I I would get before, like, I would just, like, start a new file or start a new game because, again, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. My parents did not grow up with computers at all. So, like, they couldn't tell me, hey, Lindsay, you could just, like, start the game from where you last save. Anyway, yeah, it I liked it a lot and the story itself, it follows um the LMS Explorer, which is a very large uh exploration ship tasked with observing and exploring uncharted planets. And then it gets damaged by an asteroid field and caught in a wormhole on its voyage back to Earth from an expedition and it's warped into another galaxy and left crippled and low on fuel on an unknown planet. The ship's scanner is still operational and picks up this planet called Planet U that is rich in energy crystals, which can be used to restore power to the LMS Explorer and get them back to the Milky Way. However, Planet U proves to be a hostile planet with high volcanic activity, frequent cave-ins, a uh, little breathable air and populated by hostile wildlife, including powerful rock monsters whose diet consists solely of energy crystals that the LMS Explorer very much needs to get off this planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple stuff. There's a team of six characters, Axel, Bandit, Chief, Docs, Jet, and Sparks. Um, I'm going to be swapping some genders here. Because there was only one girl in this group. Welcome to 1999. Yep. And yeah, you just generally, you would, like, in the game, build these, 
you would get to like a cave, you would build various uh, vehicles and equipment to help you mine, mine for these energy crystals, but you also had to fend off these rock monsters, and there was also slugs and bats and uh, ice monsters after a certain point. And, yeah, then eventually you get enough crystals to go back home. That's basically the entire thing. Well, all right. Yeah. So, my idea was, like, let's reboot this game. And, of course, come out with, like, the actual Lego stuff. Because people... Because Lego, like... Yeah. Um, so, reboot this game. Still have it be for kids, but, like, my notes are literally like alien but for kids <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i barely have a story other than like well there was some cut material that would be cool to add in and we could probably build a story around that there were different outfits for the rock raiders which included goggles and scarves there was there were mysterious aliens traveling with the rock raiders Rock monsters were larger, and some had tails and acted more like animals. The Chrome Crusher appears with two drills and no laser. Uh, there was a scrapped flying rocket-like vehicle that somewhat resembled the Tunnel Scout. Uh, a scrapped vehicle with robotic arms, a drill and laser turrets, a mobile Rock Raiders HQ with crystal and ore refineries and giant arms, and a Hover Scout, scout with cargo capacity. So the mysterious aliens is an interesting thing, which is where I got the whole, like, aliens, but for kids. Yeah. But also it got me thinking about, you know, okay, so, like, we've talked about this way back when we did, like, my idea for a Star Trek series, um, where the Star Trek crew gets, like, stuck in a far-flung corner of the galaxy and has to make his way back and, like, has to balance the Prime Directive and try not to do an accidental colonialism, but also, like, has to get the materials they need to repair their ship to get back to Earth. Yeah. So this is kind of, like, Baby's first entry into that problem of, like, how do we extract the materials we need to get away from here without potentially disrupting this planet's ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Plus, who are these aliens? What are they here for? What are they doing? Also, maybe there's an ancient civilization that's going on. Like a lost ancient civilization of some advancement. Yeah, I, d I, I can appreciate ancient aliens when the ancient aliens are ancient because they were elsewhere. Yes. None of this, oh, the ancient aliens actually built the Nazca Hunts. Like, motherfucker, no. They just did art in the desert. The, the aliens helped build the pyramids. Not our periods, they made their own periods. <laughs> pyramids are one of the easiest things to make. They're the, 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 we discovered the only other alien species capable of making a triangle. Wow. <laughs> so, okay, so when you talk about these aliens, so like, were they with the Rock Raiders before they came through the wormhole, or did they go through the wormhole and then they met the Rock Raiders? I don't... Or were they, had they landed on the planet before the Raiders landed on the planet? I don't know. There's almost, like, no information about these, about these aliens. 
Well, yeah, so now that I'm asking you, because now you're the showrunner. Well, okay. How about... Cart- Cartoon Network is knocking on your door, Lindsay. They're saying, we we ran out of ideas after 20 seasons of Ninjago. We needed to reboot Rock Raiders. I say that they probably show up after the... At, like, the other end of the wormhole that the Explorer okay. comes through. Okay. And, like... I don't know, maybe they... Or maybe not. Maybe they did... You know what? I, I prefer the idea of the aliens being native to the galaxy that the that the LMS Explorer has found itself in. Whether or not they're native to the planet that... Like, Planet U, we don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're... Maybe their ancestors came from Planet U. Again, mysterious civilization. Uh, one of the books suggests an, intelli- an intelligent civilization may have once lived on the planet, but something happened and now it's just full of giant slugs, scorpion spiders, bats, and the rock and ice monsters. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, this, uh, this idea is half fake. I mean, Kate, to be fair, there's not a lot to work with with this setting. You do kind of have to start from, not zero, but start from, like, two and work your way up. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a, I was hoping that you could come up with a story, but, like, okay. my whole thing was, like, okay, the... Give me all of the character stuff and the stuff that you do know, and then I can finesse it into something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Tanner, this is just a way for me to, like, get over my procrastination over this episode, so yeah. Um, Fair enough. So the characters are Axel, uh, the Rock Raiders' best driver, uh, seen as somewhat impulsive and tend to dive headfirst into into a dangerous situation, though he is very capable of defending himself. Uh, Bandit is the Rock Raiders' greatest sailor. He is happiest when cruising the underground lakes and rapids of the rapid river. Uh, so he is the navigator chief is like the leader of the team. He's the oldest, wisest, and most experienced. The rock Raiders can handle themselves in any situation. They also have a mechanical arm, uh, that they got from rescuing miners in a cave in on Pluto. And docks, is the head geologist and overall commander. Very calm person, fully assesses the situation, covering every possible plan, though sometimes he spends too much time thinking. Uh, Jet is the most courageous and strong-willed of the Rock Raiders. She is very, she's a very skilled pilot and always ready to take on new and exciting challenges. And Sparks is the head mechanic and electrician, though unfortunately he is also very clumsy. Uh, likes to take apart things, and forgets to put them back together. He is also credited with designing most of the Rock Raiders' equipment. You know, I can appreciate that Jet has a personality beyond the girl. Yeah. That being said, I'm very disappointed that they had a name scheme going of Axel, Bandit, Chief, Docs, A, B, C, D, and then they just threw it out for the last two characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it was one of those, like, they were thinking of E and F names, and it's like, why don't we call them? We ran out of words. <laughs> but yeah, like, 
as I said, it's a dude-heavy team because this came out in 1999, so I was thinking, like, yeah, Axel and Chief get gender-swapped. Okay. Unless unless some other characters jumped out at you as being, like, not male? I think Sparks is non-binary. Okay. I think Sparks sits in the back of the base with big hair. I do not know what they look like, but my vision of them is they have the big hair and the Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> but personality-wise, they'd be a little bit like Ed and a little bit like yeah. the guy from Spy Kids 2. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole being a bit of an airhead. When I say Ed, I mean like Ed from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, Ed from Cowboy Bebop. That When you said big hair and goggles, I immediately thought of Ed. Yeah. So, like, a pretty well-rounded team, like, not a lot of conflict. <laughs> Again, this is going to be for kids. Yeah, we don't need... We don't need them to be turning on each other on a regular basis. This is not Lego the Thing. Hang on, I gotta see if they've ever made Lego the Thing. <laughs> Boo, it's all Marvel. Ah. Oh, speaking of which, is this gonna still be Lego? I think it should be. It's reg- recognizable. Okay, and now going off of that, is it going to have the Lego sensibilities of, like, the Lego games or the Lego films? Oh, I think, honestly, it should be more along the lines of a Lego game. Like, my whole idea is just, like, let's revive the video game. And, like, you could probably have, like, Rock Raiders 2, 3, and 4, too. A Return to Planet U, a more exploration heavy like what i was thinking is combining aspects of both the uh pc and playstation versions okay so like the pc version has the real-time strategy stuff that's you basically creating these little bases where you can mine and refine the refine the energy crystals that you need to get off planet But from what I read about the PC version, there was a little more emphasis on exploration. Missions required the player to collect a certain amount of energy crystals, while some missions required the player to rescue rock raiders that had been trapped by landslides. There are 18 campaign missions and 6 multiplayer missions, all completely different between the NTSC and PAL versions of the game. The PAL version also included three bonus missions that are accessible after the campaign is completely finished and 12 additional multiplayer missions reusing levels from the main campaign. Rather than percentage, at the end of each mission, you receive either a bronze medal, minimum required objectives complete, the silver medal, most objectives complete, or a gold medal, all objectives complete and the required time. And what I was thinking with the implied like with the aliens and the implied civilization is maybe adding more of the old school click and point adventure but with more pokemon-esque sensibilities where does the pokemon come in well i was thinking the pokemon pokemon world's approach to like their ancient stuff like especially okay from like gen 2 to gen 4 you know kind of like bonus content almost but like it's part of the puzzle that you need to get off the planet and then the aliens i don't know what the aliens look like um i have yet to find well it sounds like they didn't exist the the aliens aside from the monsters and stuff yeah maybe that was just like an early idea that they had and it 
never plant they never got to like the art stage yeah something that never made it to print yeah what we could do is we could use the martians from the lego martian line these froggy little guys okay and we can use them as a basis for the aliens yeah and then like their whole deal like maybe they're just native to that galaxy that part of that other galaxy in their they're curious they're like what are these what are these guys doing maybe once in a while they help mm-hmm. eventually you can get like start building this like if we're keeping the rts elements you can start building elements from their technology but it like it uses the lego technic pieces mm-hmm. and then like as for the whole like oh this is baby's first you know interaction with potentially colonialism i think maybe another aspect that we could throw in there is some decision making tools about how you handle the situation with the the situations with the various uh creatures that live in the ecosystems that you're you're having to mine like trying to find the uh it's a it's a karma meter yeah a little bit of a karma meter we put a karma meter. Yeah, we put a karma meter in your RTS so that when you're killing the slugs, you get negative points and you will never get to go home. Yeah, because I was reading on uh, TV tropes that there's apparently you don't. So how it works in the original video game is you don't need to complete everything, but your ending is slightly different if you do. Okay. Like. It's kind of vague on how different the ending is, but it seems like there's a slightly more positive ending if you complete everything. And what I was thinking is like, like it's not like a fully open world thing, but it is, you do get like different sort of endings depending on, on what you do. So like a completely destructive campaign you're not getting off the planet. Yeah. You eventually you discover that like you discover the tools that could have sent you back home that could have opened a new wormhole for you. But you because you've like harmed the wildlife so much, the locals, whatever happened to them, whether they've like become energy beings or they left and there's an AI behind, or maybe they've like transcended and now they they are the wildlife, but it's like you don't realize they're sentient because they can't communicate with them yet. Yeah. Um, however it is, like, you've damaged their home so much that they refuse to help you, and they're like, you will be here forever. Mm-hmm. And then the medium... The, the medium kindness is one where... What would, what, what would medium colonization look like? I think damage has been done. You do manage to get the stuff you need to go home but it's either going to be the long way or you could there's only enough stuff to go through the wormhole once so don't mess up don't mess up or it's like a you can't send the whole ship you can only send like one person to report back yeah or another another thing we could do is that maybe the humans are able to like figure out not to uh, destroy the ecology, but the other crash-landed aliens aren't. And so you end up having to take out those aliens. 
And even though the locals will help you get back because you protected their ecosystem, you feel so terrible about like having to destroy other people in order to defend that. That when you get back, you like you don't report anything to head Mm -hmm. head command. You're like, yeah, yeah, that we we did not find any alien life. There's nothing out there, and we should all just focus on staying here. Yeah. And then the golden mission is, of course, that or the golden ending is, of course, that you're able to successfully convince the locals that any destruction you caused was accidental and you have no intentions of continuing it and you will do what you can to restore it. Mm -hmm. You convince the other crash-landed aliens to do the same. And when you are able to go through the wormhole, you're able to create a stable one. And when you report back, you like are able to create a fully successful trade relationship where no one has taken advantage of the other and like humanity was able to form a bond with two separate alien uh, civilizations instead of just one or zero. Yeah. There you go, kids. Yeah, I shouldn't be condescending to kids, but like, yeah. Again, this is for kids. Mm-hmm. Um. So what would you want to the locals to be like? Because the I I think the best options would be like our roots are Ring World or Halo. By which I mean, or, well, not not Ringworld specifically, but uh, Larry Niven. Yeah. Uh, Larry Niven, author of Ringworld. Uh, he, in, in his greater known space expanded universe, there's a species called the Bandersnatchy, which are basically giant caterpillars that nobody thought were sentient until they were able to expand the Universal Translator. And they realized, oh, these guys are fully intelligent. They're as smart as humans, if not smarter. It's just the fact that they're giant caterpillars that holds them back. Ah. And so from that point on, the Bandersnatch, he were recognized as sentient species. And so something that could be going on with the Rock Raiders planet is that apparently they have these creatures called Rock Whales, which just look like mm-hmm. big old wormy guys. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe those are the locals. And it's just like, oh, they're fully sentient and they've like been com- operating on this planet in plain sight. Just you didn't understand how to understand them yet. And now you do. Yes. By the end. Yes. The other option could be that the locals have truly gone. They fully ascended like the Urskex in Dark Crystal. But uh, much like in how the Forerunners did in the Halo series, they left behind the AIs. Okay. And so you have to convince an AI that is protecting the planet's ecology that you don't mean any harm. And that one might work as well because... If there's multiple AIs, some more protective of the planet than others, that could be another enemy you have to face. And so it yeah. goes from real-time strategy to keep the base alive to real-time strategy defended against enemies, which is a more traditional real-time strategy. Yeah. Like, I I feel like you have not played Halo Campaign, and I haven't played it in a long no. time. But I know that there are the AIs, or some of them are like, oh my gosh, it's a human. I haven't seen the sentient person in such a long time. You're going to be my new best friend. And some of them are like, I'm going to fucking kill every level living thing that says foot on this ring. Well then. <laughs> and some of them are like, I miss my wife tales. Because apparently they're like, they are before, they were, I, do, I don't understand Halo. <laughs> Did you know that in the Halo franchise, humanity is one billion years old and used to have a universe of spanning empire until they were struck down by the Precursors, who came before the Forerunners? Oh, joy. One billion years and you got humanity. <laughs> um, Yeah, like, I like the idea of, 
having the AI, the sentient AI, who's trying to protect the planet, maybe... Okay, like, maybe the creatures on the planet, they're not, like, had human intelligence, but, like, animals are pretty fucking smart. <gasps> team pet, team pet, team pet. <laughs> <laughs> I love a team pet. Yeah, maybe one of the monsters are the rock whales. Yeah. <laughs> Bandit Bandit finds uh, an abandoned baby rock whale and just shows, which is still like the size of an SUV, and he shows up at the base and is like, his name's Jimmy. <laughs> I love him and feed him and call him George. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can make these little friends with all the different creatures, and they can be your little guys and help you out. It's... Uh, it, it's like the uh, the faction um, reputation meters in like uh, World of Warcraft, but instead <laughs> of with like political factions, it's just with like assorted herds and packs of lo- local wildlife. Yes, <laughs> we're trying our best not to destroy the local ecosystem, but we did accidentally create agriculture. <laughs> Slight domestication has happened. Or at least we have an arrangement with these creatures, a la cats and pigs. Yes. <laughs> What's the cow equivalent? Doc shows up and announces that he's learned how to make cheese, and everyone else goes, from what? <laughs> it's probably going to be the slimy slug. <laughs> or maybe the spiders. You can bilk spiders for their venom. Yeah. Just so have Yeah. It just so happens that these spiders can also produce something edible mm-hmm. and not kill humans. Mm-hmm. Because for all of our frailties, humans are also, like, stupidly tough on a chemical level. Level. Yeah. It's just, how, how far do you want to go with that? Because, like, yeah, we're super tough on a chemical level for Earth, but is the, uh, the planet you fundamentally at odds with human physiology? Well, there's enough air to breathe, so... Maybe not that much. All right, great. <laughs> we lucked out. We found we did find like another Goldilocks zone planet with the right chemical composition for us to breathe and like not corrode our lungs. Mm-hmm. Again, this is for kids, so this is also a whole lot of just like hand wavy. Don't think about it too much. Focus on the geology lesson. It's so cool how we're all carbon-based life forms. <laughs> Well, maybe there should be something silica-based down there. I mean... I mean, there's rock monsters. You know, I'm I'm no biologist, but I feel like a majority of the local life, it could be silicone-based, but still, like, work akin to carbon, like, yeah. close enough that it's not a stretch. Yeah. Like, the monsters, from what I remember, were made from rock. Yeah. And if you hit them enough, they turned into smaller rocks. That seems biologically improbable. Just go with it. <laughs> I mean, it's Lego. Yeah, they fall to pieces. It explodes into studs, and then the studs reassemble themselves into smaller rocks. <laughs> yes. Doc goes, that doesn't seem biologically possible. And one of someone turns to Doc and goes, what's biology? <laughs> yes. We're plastic. And then, yeah, with that and sorting out the story and the gameplay, I don't know. You could probably get, like, a sequel out of this. Probably. 
where it could go kind of like kind of like Spectrobes did, where you start exploring multiple hidden planets through various wormholes. Yeah. Or we could we could kind of go the uh, the StarCraft II route, where it's like the first game, the story entirely takes place on like in a rocky environment for the most part, mm-hmm. and then the other three games could be other environments like part two is the lava and part three is the ice oh and we could also introduce other alien races through that yeah like okay so the first game focuses on the humans exploration and the second game we go to the crashlanders home world and maybe that's the lethal lava land yeah and then the third game is when we finally meet the the precursor species Mm Hmm. yeah i like that and then it's Nickelodeon who does the Ninjago series, right? No, it's Cartoon Network. Oh, Cartoon Network. I'm pretty sure. Okay, then, yeah, we go to Cartoon Network with, like, twenty epi- three 20 episode seasons. Oh, they won't let us stop at three. They will milk it until we run out of ideas. Yeah. There'll be a new planet every six months. You know what? It'll be a little bit like Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big enough galaxy, you can just keep on going. It really comes down to the characters. Oh, Ninjago did make the jump to Netflix for its final season. Oh, wait, (laughs) they did cancel Ninjago. It ended after 15 seasons. (laughs) Which seems wild, because that show has been on since 2011. Oh my god. I thought Ninjago was newer than that. Nope. It's been around a long ass time. I guess just Lego, but ninjas. Ninjas, but Lego. What could possibly go wrong? Honestly, if a Lego property could benefit from a TV show, it was Bionicle. Yeah. Just go full Beast Wars on it. But maybe that's the next time. Didn't we already do a Bionicle thing? No, we didn't, I don't think. I don't know. I would need a guess for Bionicle. I don't know enough of the deep Bionicle lore. Okay. Well, in any case... That's about it for me. Um, yeah, I think we've covered as much as we could from the RT. I mean, it's it's an RTS. You know how the gameplay of an RTS goes. You gotta, listen, you gotta construct additional pylons. Yeah, I barely know how to play an RTS. I'm just following your lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. I did get a hankering to start playing StarCraft again the other day. Okay. I don't. I don't trust Blizzard to put games together anymore, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I need to see what the other RTSs are out there, because I'm sure that I like Sid Meier. Yeah, Sid Meier does uh, real-time strategy stuff. That's this whole yeah. civilization shtick. Yeah, it's probably something I should pick up. I don't know. Do you? I don't know if you have a strong enough computer for it. Yeah, that's true. Like, I was looking into other Rock Raiders stuff, and the, 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 the developers were like, yeah, we had a whole bunch more stuff planned, including like being able to have more objects on the screen at once. But the light got so powerful that the game started to crash. Yeah. Because it's a licensed Lego game. Like, their budget was probably 10 bucks. Yep. And I think they also had, like, a lot of crunch because they wanted to get it out before Christmas 99. I imagine so. Yeah. But in 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 any case, do we, do we should probably, you know, go and explore the mines for a friendship promo. promo. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what noises they made. Hello, welcome to- Hello!
welcome, welcome to the best idea for a podcast of all time. This is Champs in the Making, a Pokemon bracket podcast where we take every one of these creatures in the Pokemon video game franchise, put them in a bracket together and find out which one the best one is. Starmie gives me like organic, free-range, gluten-free, like fidget spinner energy. Swallow can swallow a tire hole in one gulp. Ladybug looks like it is ready to give you so many high fives with each of its little mitten hands. <laughs> I don't like Weird Ear's face. It's got a big testicle for a nose, for sure. <laughs> I think Dido King's favorite beer is PBR. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Champs in the Make, a Moonshot Network podcast about Pokemon. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or first at patreon.com slash moonshot network. All right, we're back. We also found some cool crystals. They're green and shiny. Uh, while I plug these into our wormhole generator, Lindsay, how about you tell people where you can be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You first, but if you want to understand them, you require more Vespine gas. You can also email us at Not If I Reboot You First at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your not quite as obscure as I thought ideas for a Lego set. It's no Knight's Kingdom, that's for sure. That's true. It's it's no, oh, what's another obscure Lego thing? There was like a deep sea one where they fought a, a skull guy. Yeah. Lego deep sea skull man. I, I got nothing. That? Aqua Zone? Atlantis? No, it wasn't that. Aqua Raiders? Maybe it was Aqua Raiders? The theme focused on a team of diverse search... Of divers searching for treasure in the Bermuda Triangle. I, I believe that was them. Okay. Because you raid the rocks, now you gotta raid the aqua. <laughs> and then coming next year, you're gonna raid the sky. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um, I fully forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Where we were? What was the thing? Did you Did you tell the email? <laughs> Yeah, I did the email. Okay, that email is also where you can send us a friendship promo, whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast, your YouTube, or your Lego creation that you submitted to the company, and they make it for real. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. And as always, our cover art is by Alex First. Her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sultul, and the Cinnaboyne, and homeland of the Métis. So, Danner. Lindsay. <laughs> do you have a hint for us next week? Uh, I think I do. I think, even though I've never played the game before, I think we're going to stick on the RTS train. All right, then. <laughs> so we'll see what kind of creature I can make next time, but not if I reboot you first. Bye.